Hey everybody, it is Friday, July 14th, Bastille Day in France. You're listening to the Mo News Podcast. I'm Mo Shwanunu. And I'm Jill Wagner. This is the place that we bring you just the facts. And we read all the news and read between the lines so you don't have to. Moshe, you sound very chipper. Was it that $20 smoothie that you had yesterday? Jill, I didn't end up having the $20 smoothie on the way to Air One Market. <laughs> I passed the salt and straw ice cream, and I was like, you know what? Screw the smoothie. I'm going to get me some ice cream, and it it was the right choice. Though I will say, Jill, when I put it out and people heard that you know that the $20 smoothie gets a bum rap, they're like, at the same time, people are willing to pay up to that for a glass of wine, so why does the smoothie get the bum rap? It's just a different beverage for that amount of money. I don't disagree. And actually, after we um, got off air yesterday, I, I thought the same thing because it is a meal, right? If you're having a smoothie that's $20, I imagine that it is chock full of, of very filling ingredients. Sure. So that's the meal. It's a full meal as opposed to, say, if you're in like a major city ordering a martini or some sort of beverage, it is literally, you know, like a, a shot of alcohol, right? Some mixed stuff in there, some ice. And you're paying about the same amount. Anyway, I'm not here to advocate that you spent $20 on a mixed drink or a $20 smoothie. Just, you know, what's fair is fair. And I just want to reflect what some of our listeners were writing in about. All right, now to some news. For the first time since the 1960s, all Hollywood actors and the writers' unions are on strike. What are the issues, the ripple effects, and what this means for us viewers? Some major news when it comes to women's health. The FDA approves the first ever over-the-counter birth control pills. Remember that bag of cocaine left in the West Wing of the White House? Well, we may never know who left it there. We'll tell you what the Secret Service is saying. The FTC is investigating chat GPT, and Elon Musk somehow doesn't have enough on his plate running Tesla, SpaceX, Twitter. He is now launching a new AI company. Plus, put down the diet soda. Maybe the World Health Organization says that aspartame might cause cancer, but that most adult consumers don't need to worry. We're going to break down their seemingly conflicting reports. Jill, we often joke about how there's studies that are constantly conflicting, but we rarely get conflicting reports on the same day from the same organization. So uh, this was a must-do for us in today's podcast. <laughs> and it is never too early to talk about the Olympics. The USA women's gymnastics team at next year's Summer Games could feature the champions from 2012, 2016, and 2020, which is wonderful news for people like me who absolutely love watching gymnastics at the Olympics. And it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. Here's what we are watching, reading, and eating. All right, hope you like reruns. Hollywood actors have voted to strike, joining writers who walked off the job in May Setting off Hollywood's first industry-wide shutdown in 63 years, that is when Ronald Reagan was the Actors Guild president. So the leaders of the union, SAG-AFTRA, approved that strike on Thursday, hours after contract talks with a group of studios broke down. This impacts more than 150,000 television and movie actors who will be on the picket line starting today. So what are the issues here? Well, pay is certainly at the center of the strike. Both actors and screenwriters have been demanding increased residual payments. That's a type of royalty. Uh, from streaming services. Streaming series typically have fewer episodes than television series used to have. 
um, which meant that if a show was a hit, actors and writers could count on this long stream of regular residual checks. Then there's the issue of artificial intelligence. Both groups want some type of rules around how AI is going to be used and, and some guarantees in place that it's not going to replace human jobs, at least entirely. There's also a lot of frustration from actors about this growing trend to make performers create their own audition tapes at their own expense. That was something that started during the pandemic. Brand Drescher. The nanny. <laughs> I have to mention it because you'll recognize the voice right away. Uh, she is the president of SAG-AFTRA. She says that the entire business model has changed by streaming, by AI. And she just calls this a moment of history, a moment of truth. And I got to say, it does not sound like the union and the studios are anywhere close to making a deal. I cannot believe it, quite frankly, how far apart we are on so many things, how they plead poverty, that they're losing money left and right when giving hundreds of millions of dollars to their CEOs. It is disgusting. All right, so that was Drescher there. By the way, she's had her own share of controversy recently, Jill, because she was in Italy uh, in the last couple of weeks with Kim Kardashian, which did not play well with some of the actors in the union, though she has said it was about work. Nevertheless, the studios are responding here. The Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, which bargains on behalf of the studios, says that they offered, quote, historic pay and residual increases and offered a, quote, groundbreaking AI proposal that protects actors' digital likenesses. But rather than continuing to negotiate, SAG-AFTRA has put us on a course that will deepen the financial hardship for thousands who depend on the industry for their livelihoods. Jill, when you talk to the studios, they tell you the advertising market is grim. The cable and broadcast networks, which were profitable for decades, are hemorrhaging viewers. Wall Street has soured on the media companies since Netflix lost a whole bunch of subscribers uh, for the first time in a decade last year. That's forced the studio executives here to try to turn their streaming services into profitable entities. At the same time, Disney's in the midst of 7,000 layoffs. Warner Brothers Discovery has been uh, cutting thousands of jobs, shelving projects. So they're also saying here, listen, SAG-AFTRA, we're not in a great state of affairs, but as you heard from Fran Drescher, the actors don't believe it and believe there are concessions that can be made here. Disney chief Bob Iger warned that the strike could have a very damaging effect on the whole industry, though he is getting criticism for what he said on CNBC this week, uh, saying that the strike is disturbing to him. There's disruptive forces on the business and challenges we're facing, and this is the worst time for this to be happening. Uh, he said that the writers and actors are making not realistic demands. They're quick to point out that he makes upwards of $27 million a year. And as you noted, Jill, there's 160,000 actors here. Uh, and obviously, some of the more notable ones make in the seven, eight, potentially nine figures. But the vast majority of the actors make tens of thousands of dollars a year. I've seen the number thrown around that about $50,000 is the annual salary for the average actor. So many of them do need these pay increases and are saying that you know they're not being treated fairly by these larger studios. So as far as what this all means, union rules prevent actors from doing any interviews or promotions around award shows. We talked about the Emmys yesterday. Those are most definitely not happening if they don't get this resolved by September. Actors also can't make personal appearances or promote their work on podcasts or premieres. They're also barred from doing any production work, including auditions, readings, rehearsals, 
voiceovers. And while international shoots technically can continue, the stoppage among U.S.-based writers and performers is likely to have a drag on those two. And Jill, it's not just the actors here. Because remember, we've been hearing in the Mo News community from people who work in technical production, makeup artists, wardrobe, uh, contractors, tens of thousands of people who uh, whose livelihoods revolve around the industry. And now with the writers out and the actors out, that's all dead. And then beyond that, the larger economic impact. There's a story in The Hollywood Reporter about restaurants around uh, Hollywood that are already seeing uh, diminished business because the writer's strike and now uh, believe it'll be even worse off with the actor's strike. The estimates uh, vary here, but it could be in the billions of dollars based on previous strikes in terms of the damage to the local economy in Southern California. Now, finally, the impact to you, the consumer. So it's going to take a while for you to see it at the box office in terms of theater, since most movies scheduled for release this year and early next year have already been shot. Where you have already seen it, late night comedy shows. They've been airing reruns for months because of the writer's strike. Within a few months, you'll start to see it expand to the uh, network television shows. If you're expecting Abbott Elementary or some of these scripted shows on ABC, NBC, Fox, etc., uh, don't expect them. If this continues, they're going to have to rely on reality shows and game shows and reruns this fall. And then as far as streaming services, many of them are saying they're good through 2023, good through the end of the year. But the chairman of HBO said it starts to get, quote, dicier next year. Uh, And keep in mind that if you're waiting for the next season of certain shows that you loved, you're going to most likely be waiting much longer again, depending on how long the strike goes. We talked about those Emmy nominations yesterday. That Emmys may not happen. Right. Uh, I mean, basically nothing happens besides reality TV, game shows. And that's where we're at right now until Fran Drescher and her crew can come to a deal with uh, the various studios. This is Netflix. This is Disney. This is Comcast. This is Warner Brothers. uh, And they can come to some sort of compromise here um, as they both plead uh, that the current reality is untenable for them especially as consumers go to digital. Jill, I got an interesting note from a couple people in the Monus community who are like, most of my entertainment these days comes from social media and YouTube anyway. I'm not sure I'm going to miss much of this. And that's interesting that this is the first writer's strike in that era. So uh, as people seek out entertainment, what is that going to mean for the social media platforms uh, and uh, digital creators who aren't part of this union? It's a point that Scott Galloway, um, friend of the pod who doesn't know he is a friend of the pod, uh, that he was making on his podcast, the Prof G podcast, where he was saying there's all of these content creators on TikTok, on Instagram, who are basically putting out their content for free. Uh, And that is the entertainment these days. And he actually argued that the studios here really have the upper hand and have no real incentive to be negotiating. No, I mean, and that's a criticism that they get too from the writers. So many of them are not making anywhere near what some of the actors are making. uh, And the criticism is that the studios are basically going to wait them out until they have no money left and they'll come groveling back. That's the negotiation tactic here uh, from the studios. Jill, it'll be very interesting to see how long this lasts uh, and effectively who has to blink here. All right, now into another really big story when it comes to women's health. The FDA approved the first birth control pill for over-the-counter sales, meaning that you could get it without a prescription. O-pill, also known as the mini pill, contains one hormone, progestin, and should be taken every day at the same time. 
It is 93% effective at preventing pregnancy. The FDA first approved it as a prescription back in 1973. So the FDA says Opil will be available over the counter for anyone of reproductive age. That includes teenagers. This decision is being called monumental, a game changer. It's seen as a major win for medical groups like the American Medical Association, which have been pushing for years for an over-the-counter birth control pill. It is expected to make it much easier for women to get access to the pill and also reduce the risk of unintended pregnancies. We want to mention over-the-counter birth control pills already available in over 100 countries around the world. It should be available here in the United States starting early next year at drugstores, grocery stores, online, No word at this point how much it's going to cost, but experts say it will need to be relatively low because over-the-counter medications are typically not covered by insurance. And the timing here is notable. It does come, as we've been reporting on all these legal battles over women's reproductive rights. We're just over a year now since the Supreme Court overturned Roe v. Wade. A number of states reported this week on Iowa going to a six-week abortion ban. And so more and more women who aren't looking to get pregnant Uh, and may have not been on birth control, may be considering it right now. The latest FDA statistic says that almost half of the 6 million pregnancies in the U.S. each year are unintended. The decision comes about two months after an outside advisory committee to the FDA voted unanimously to recommend making Opil available without a prescription. There was a survey last year, Jill, from the Kaiser Foundation that found that more than three-quarters of women of reproductive age said they would favor an over-the-counter pill because of its convenience. Nearly 40% said they would likely use it. Uh, Those most likely to opt for the product included women already taking birth control, women without health insurance, and Hispanic women, according to the Kaiser Foundation study here. At the same time, there were some concerns about whether women with breast cancer or a history of breast cancer would know not to use the drug. But the FDA committee members said they think most women with breast cancer probably know this already. There were also some concerns about side effects here. Uh, But again, the FDA decided that women will know to seek professional help if there are issues. Jill, despite the fact that this pill is over the counter uh, and you won't have to typically interact with a pharmacist, we did hear from, from some pharmacists in the Moon News community who just wanted to reinforce that based on their knowledge of this pill, It'll be very important to take it at the same exact time every day. Otherwise, it'll be pretty ineffective, they say. Okay, now let's get to our sponsors this week, starting with Bolin Branch. We often talk on this podcast about forever chemicals and just the bad stuff that's in our food and drinking water. But did you know that most bedding is made with harsh chemicals like formaldehyde, synthetic pesticides, and toxic dyes? I did not. Uh, well, Bolin Branch is changing the standard for good. Bolin Branch makes the softest, most luxurious sheets without any toxins or harsh chemicals. They use 100% organic cotton. Uh, Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Mosh, you and I both have Bolin Branch sheets, and I could tell you that is actually true. Um, I remember when you first said that, that they get softer the more that you wash them, and I thought, okay, yeah, right. But I can attest they really do get softer the more you wash them. They really have this luxurious feel. They're extremely soft. And with all this hot weather that we've been talking about, they are breathable. Uh, They're very good for the heat. And Moshe, as we've mentioned before, loved by millions of people, including four U.S. presidents, Bowling Branch sheets come in 10 colors in all sizes. Um, Best of all, they've got a 30-night worry-free guarantee. You've got free shipping and returns on all orders in the United States. Sleep better at night with Bowl and Branch sheets. For a limited time, you can get early access to their annual summer event. 
So just use the code MONEWS. You get 20% off today at bowlandbranch.com. That is bowlandbranch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com. The promo code MONEWS. All right, now to our other big sponsor this week, Athletic Greens. We're always talking about health trends, food trends here on the pod, how it's hard to get all your nutrients. Well, one way to get the important ones is using the Athletic Greens AG1 powder. It's just one scoop with a glass of water in the morning. AG1 powder is easy, quick, and lets you get on with your day knowing that you've gotten over 75 important ingredients, including tons of vitamins and minerals. It also has pre and probiotics to support your digestion and your gut health. And they have a special deal right now for Mo News listeners. With your first purchase of AG1, Athletic Greens is giving all of you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1. You can visit drinkag1.com slash monews. Again, drinkag1.com slash monews to take advantage of this offer. That's where you can get a discounted monthly subscription or try it just one time for one month. Again, drinkag1.com slash monews. It's an opportunity to really start to take ownership of your health. All right, time for the speed read from Fox News. The Secret Service announced yesterday that it has closed its investigation into the cocaine found at the White House earlier this month and that it is, quote, not able to single out a person of interest because of what it says is a lack of physical evidence. In a statement Thursday after briefing members of Congress on the matter, the Secret Service said that the cocaine was found in the West Wing on July 2nd inside a cubby used to temporarily store electronic and personal devices near the Situation Room. The Secret Service said that it had been investigating how this item entered the White House, including a methodical review of security systems and protocols. The FBI tested the bag for fingerprints and DNA. There wasn't enough of either on the bag to draw any conclusions, according to the Secret Service. Agents had gathered the names of several hundred people who may have passed by that area, but there was no surveillance video footage that provided leads. Jill, are you buying that? Honestly, no. <laughs> it, it, that seems insane, <laughs> doesn't it? <laughs> a lot of people are very skeptical. They're like, there aren't many cameras near the Situation Room in the West Wing, and there was no DNA evidence. Mosh, I have four ring cameras around my house. <laughs> <laughs> well, they might need you at the White House soon to up the security. I mean, there are skeptics. Listen. At the end of the day, we're here to report what the Secret Service is saying, but it is striking many people as, ooh, really? Like, what if someone left anthrax uh, in that cubbyhole? Would you also not be able to track it down? Either way, the Secret Service says here that without physical evidence, the investigation will not be able to single out any person of interest, uh, despite there being hundreds of individuals there. Biden, we should uh, note, uh, the president and his family were away at Camp David at the time this was found. The West Wing is often frequented by visitors, staff-led tours on evenings and weekends. The Situation Room, we should note, by the way, is being renovated right now and has not been used for months Either way, like many of us, Republicans over in the House were critical of the statement on Thursday. Uh, This is the statement from House Oversight Committee Chairman James Comer, Republican Kentucky. Uh, He said, the White House is supposed to be the most secure residence in the world, but today Secret Service officials fail to answer basic questions or provide any meaningful information related to security failures and cocaine being found at the White House. Uh, The Secret Service officials, as they put out the statement, they briefed uh, Congress on what you just heard, uh, and then put out this statement. So I think uh, a lot of people will continue to ask questions here as to what happened. And of course, this is the Secret Service. They want to know, they want to get to the bottom of things. uh, And maybe this is what it is. But 
uh, the whole lack of cameras, lack of DNA evidence, the lack of fingerprints is uh, striking a number of people as a... Hmm. All right, moving on. As we reported here last month, hundreds of people were killed when an overcrowded fishing trawler capsized off the coast of Greece. That boat was filled with migrants trying to flee war and poverty by heading to Europe, in this case to Italy. Well, new this morning, UNICEF finds that roughly 11 children die every week attempting to cross the central Mediterranean Sea migration route. Some new numbers out. So far in 2023, an estimated 11,600 children, an average of 428 a week, make that dangerous crossing. The majority were alone or separated from their parents. At least 289 children are estimated to have died or disappeared this year attempting to cross that perilous migration route from North Africa to Europe. This equates to nearly 11 children dying or disappearing every week as they search for safety and better opportunities. Yeah, really important story, but sad story uh, that we have to report for you here. UNICEF, which by the way, stands for the United Nations International Children's Emergency Fund, points out that many shipwrecks in the central Mediterranean sea crossing leave no survivors or go unrecorded completely. That Greece case uh, happens to be one that we actually knew about. So that makes finding out and figuring out the true number of child casualties practically impossible to verify. And the number, unfortunately, could be higher. In recent months, children and babies have been among those who have lost their lives on this route. And these are people coming from West Africa, uh, Central Africa, Northern Africa, the Middle East. Uh, in the case of that uh, Greek boat, by the way, Jill, there were a number of people from Pakistan uh, and um, across South Asia that were making their way through Africa and then across the Mediterranean. The executive director of UNICEF says this morning that it's a clear sign that more must be done to create safe and legal pathways for children to access asylum while strengthening efforts to rescue lives at sea, ultimately much more must be done to address the root causes as well, which lead children to risk their lives in the first place. From the Wall Street Journal, the Federal Trade Commission's investigating whether chat GPT has harmed people by publishing false information about them, posing a potential legal threat to the popular app that can generate eerily human-like contact using artificial intelligence. In a civil subpoena the company made public on Thursday, the FTC says its investigation of ChatGPT focuses on whether its parent company, OpenAI, has, quote, engaged in unfair or deceptive practices related to risks of harm to consumers, including reputational harm. Jill, one of the questions the FTC has for OpenAI here at ChatGPT is what steps they have taken to address or mitigate risks here in regards to generating false or misleading statements that could harm uh, individuals. This new investigation comes under Chair Lena Khan, uh, and it marks a significant escalation of the federal government's role in policing emerging technologies like AI. But it is pretty uncharted territory for the FTC here, which has suffered some legal setbacks in antitrust enforcement efforts. So they do have broad authority. Uh, and if they find that a company violates consumer protection laws here, uh, they can levy fines or put a business under what's called a consent decree, which can dictate how the company handles data. The FTC has been levying fines against Meta, Amazon, Twitter, a bunch of other tech companies for violating consumer protection laws. And now they're diving into AI here, as that has been all the focus. But it does come as a federal judge decided recently to dismiss the FTC's attempt to block Microsoft's acquisition of Activision. So the FTC here trying to regulate tech, trying to make some rules of the road, and they have faced some pushback from judges for overreaching here. Uh, and so it's too early to say how far they'll go with AI. But clearly here, 
they've heard the concern. They've been watching the hearings and they're going to dig in. All right, staying with AI from CNBC, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and SpaceX and the owner of Twitter, announced the debut of a new artificial intelligence company, XAI. The goal, quote, to understand the true nature of the universe. According to the company's website, Musk and his team will share more information in a live Twitter Spaces chat today. Musk seems to be positioning XAI to compete with companies like OpenAI, Google, and Anthropic, which are behind leading chatbots like ChatGPT, Bard, and Claude. Jill, it was just back in April when Musk told Fox News about his plans for a new AI tool called TruthGPT adding that he feared existing AI companies are prioritizing systems that are politically correct. Uh, he's also been a critic, though, that AI has gone overboard. He's been the co-author of a letter regarding that. And one of the people working with Elon on this is a guy named Dan Hendricks. He's the executive director of the Center for AI Safety out of San Francisco. He was also part of that letter in the spring uh, from a bunch of tech leaders claiming that mitigating the risk of extinction from AI should be a global priority on the scale of preventing pandemics and nuclear war. So that was a very stark letter from Elon, uh, from his uh, advisor here. At the same time, it appears, despite the concerns, he's also going to jump into the AI uh, trend here, Jill, and, and see what he can come up with. He can't help himself. It's a general rule with Elon Musk. He just he just can't help himself. And Mosh, we didn't even mention the Boring Company. Another one of his companies that they're looking to dig tunnels basically underneath cities. Right, Hyperloop. Yep, as a, this Hyperloop, which I think actually has a lot of potential. I would love to travel at like record speeds underground and not deal with traffic, especially as I sit here recording in LA one more day. All right, now into some health news from the website Stat News. According to two new reports released Thursday evening by the World Health Organization, Aspartame, the popular artificial sweetener in diet sodas and chewing gums, may possibly cause cancer, but the risk also appears to be very low for occasional consumers of these products. Kind of conflicting reports, so we're going to try to explain. The first report by the World Health Organization's International Agency for Research on Cancer found limited evidence that aspartame may cause liver cancer. The second, from another part of the organization called the Expert Committee on Food Additives, reconfirmed the World Health Organization's previous recommendations that the sweetener is still generally safe up until very large doses. That first group, which found that aspartame was possibly linked to cancer, studies whether a substance has the potential to cause harm. The second group aims to estimate the actual risk that cancer or other potential harms will actually occur. Officials at the organization emphasized during a press conference that most casual consumers of beverages like Diet Coke and Diet Pepsi do not need to be concerned about their cancer risk from aspartame. I do question, though, what a casual consumer is. So, Jill, they got into it in the press conference. And again, we always joke about these studies like wine is good for you. Wine is bad for you. Meat is good for you. Meat is bad for you. Uh, in this case, literally, they're like, here are two reports. Uh, and one part of the organization is like, this could be bad for you and cause cancer. And the other part is like, no, nah, don't actually worry about it, most of you. So they said for the most part, uh, as they roll this out on Thursday, that we're not advising companies to withdraw the products, nor are we advising consumers to stop consuming them. We're just advising a little bit of moderation. Now, they did break down the report uh, and their assessments here, and they cautioned the report's findings could raise concerns for kids 
who will more easily reach the daily recommended limit of aspartame, which is based on body weight. So according to the World Health Organization's recommendations, a 44-pound child would need to drink roughly four cans of Diet Coke per day to reach the maximum limit. I don't know how many parents are letting their kids drink that much of uh, in the way of cola, but that was the number there. Now, for a 200-pound person, according to their figures, you would need to drink more than 18 cans of Diet Coke a day to hit the daily limit. So I guess when they said casual drinkers, if you're drinking less than 18 Diet Cokes a day, Jill, uh, I guess those are versions of casual here. Effectively, what they're saying is it's 40 milligrams of aspartame per one kilo of body weight. Uh, and so that's the calculation here. So again, you would have to be drinking a lot. And I imagine there's people who drink this stuff to excess or drinking a couple liter bottles of this stuff. Uh, but it appears for the most part that what you can take away from this entire story, just don't go nuts with the stuff uh, and know that there are you know, lingering effects of having a lot of aspartame over time. And from People Magazine, Gabby Douglas is returning to competitive gymnastics just ahead of the 2024 Summer Olympics in Paris. Douglas, who is 27, previously competed in the 2012 and 2016 Olympic Games, making history as the first U.S. gymnast to win the all-around and team title. She did that in 2012. Douglas did not compete in the U.S. trials for the 2020 Games. Douglas's return to competition means that the 2012, 2016, and 2020 Olympic individual all-around champions will all be competing to make that 2024 U.S. women's gymnastics team. Both Simone Biles, the 2016 champ, and Suni Lee, the 2020 champ, expected to compete to make the team. Should be dun, very exciting. Dun, dun, dun. Done, done, done. <laughs> One of my favorite John Williams composed uh, songs of all time there, Jill. We shared Gabby's Instagram post uh, on our feed yesterday. Uh, she wrote a, a pretty lengthy caption uh, that captured these last couple of years for her. She wrote, as you all know, I stepped back from the socials. And in that time, I did a lot of journaling, reflecting, soul searching, and found myself back where it all began. It's so easy to suppress and run away from facing darknesses and fears. For many years, I've had an ache in my heart, she wrote, but I didn't want to keep carrying anger, pain, sadness, or regret, and through my tears and hurt, I have found peace. She says she wants to find joy again for the sport and knows she has a huge task ahead of her, especially at 27 years old. That's uh, much older than uh, most of these gymnasts typically compete on the Olympic level. And she concludes by saying that she's even more grateful for all of your support and love. She tells her fans, there's so much to be said, but for now, let's do this. Hashtag 2024. She stepped away from social media, we should note, by the way, Jill, uh, when she wrote last year that she was going to work on herself and focus on her own mental health. All right, it is Friday. Cheers to the freaking weekend. All right, Mosh, time for what we were watching, reading, and eating. Kick it off. What will you be watching? All right, Jill, there's a new show out on Hulu, a new docuseries called The Ashley Madison Affair, which takes a deep dive into the Ashley Madison website hack. You might remember this uh, this website where people went for extramarital affairs. Well, it's getting the whole docuseries treatment. And I should note, Jill, that per your recommendation a couple of weeks ago, I binged Hijack, and Apple just put out another episode of that. So I'm planning to watch that this weekend as well. So good, right? So good. The Idris Elba character is just a mystery to me. But as an avid traveler, uh, I hope it doesn't freak you out at all. No, I... I... <laughs> You're like, no. no. No, Jill, I feel pretty good. What are you watching this weekend? Okay, so I'm going to be watching one of my 
favorite series, The Summer I Turned Pretty, season two on Prime. It's light. It's fun. It's kind of like a beach read, but a a beach stream. It is the perfect summer show. And then also, I wanted to give a shout out to a new podcast that I've been listening to, Club Random with Bill Maher. He interviews really interesting guests. He had John Hamm on a few weeks ago, who I absolutely love. Love John Hamm. And it's just Bill Maher and his guest shooting the shit. There's not really an agenda. Uh, lots of laughs. I highly recommend. Jill, there are so many amazing podcasts out there. I just, uh, as I record this, I'm about to head back to New York after a two-day conference here, uh, hosted by Oxford Road, a uh, podcast advertising company, uh, where I had the opportunity actually to moderate a panel on Wednesday night with a number of podcasters. Dr. Drew Pinsky, you might know him from Loveline back in the day. He's got a whole bunch. Uh, Whitney Cummings, the comedian uh, who has a show, Meta World Peace, um, the basketball player, formerly known as Ron Artest. Also, Lewis House, who hosts School of Greatness. So it was a very cool opportunity to talk to podcasters, talk to advertisers out here. Uh, it's a $2 billion advertising market right now, Jill, and it keeps growing. And so uh, it's cool to be in this podcast space and and all these shows keep keep popping up. Okay, what are you reading? Jill, I love this story out of the Wall Street Journal. Uh, the headline is Tortoise Estate Planning, one shore of having a pet that lives 100 years. So they dive into the world of people who keep pet tortoises, which sometimes live up to 150 years, Jill. So as you can imagine, as you face retirement or write your will, uh, tortoises are one of the only pets that you need to ensure you have a plan for, for your children, grandchildren, potentially great-grandchildren. So it's a fun little read. What are you reading? All right. So I just realized that we both have picks from the Wall Street Journal. <laughs> I don't know how that happens. Which, by the way, we should note uh, for everyone, uh, typically it requires, a, it's behind a paywall over there. Uh, so apologies if you don't have a Wall Street Journal subscription. Uh, this headline really caught my interest. Wait, are hearing aids cool now? Ask millennials. They say as younger Americans start to experience hearing loss, there's this new breed of hearing aids that function more like fancy headphones and fitness trackers that are coming to the rescue. We talked about this a few days ago with some of the new features for Apple's AirPods that they help kind of amplify the sound. Uh, Just incredible how that industry has changed. And there used to be maybe a stigma about wearing a hearing aid, but uh, certainly not anymore. All right, what are you eating this weekend? Levain's Bakery. Their banana bread, their cookies, <laughs> basically everything. If you haven't had one of their cookies, I mean, they're massive undertakings, Jill. Uh, I'm, I'm a big fan of the uh, chocolate walnut myself. I've been making my way through one of their M&M cookies. Um, you're right. They're ginormous. <laughs> All of my exercise and good eating has kind of gone down the drain. But I had some friends bring some Levain's Bakery over to my house. And unfortunately, I just keep getting drawn to the kitchen. And what about you, Mosh? Jill, just before that, I should note, Levain started uh, in one shop in New York and in the past decade has exploded. They got locations now in LA, in Chicago, in DC, in Boston. On Long uh, so Island. Yeah, and they're on Long Island as well. And I believe they're starting to get into some grocery stores out there. So if you don't have a location near you, one will probably pop up soon as the uh, as the brand here expands. As far as what I'm eating this weekend, we're having a little uh, baby to-do for Alex. My mother is coming to town and we're putting together a group to celebrate baby O. And so uh, looking forward to you know good desserts, treats, snacks uh, around the festivities. 
Mosh, I will be at the shower. Well, then, Jill, you will know exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> Bring some Levains with you. <laughs> All, right. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Mo News Podcast. Follow us and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Review us in the App Store so we can continue to grow. We truly appreciate, by the way, all of the reviews. I just was reading through a bunch of the the new ones, and uh, I am blown away by all of your kind words. Thank you so much. It genuinely helps us grow uh, and means a lot to us. Jill, we officially hit 1,000 five-star reviews on Apple this week. We're nearing that on Spotify, so we're so grateful for everyone who takes a moment uh, to leave a review. We should note we have extra listening for you this weekend. We put out an extra podcast uh, with the author of a new book on Amazon and Walmart that's now available on the main feed for everyone after we put it initially over on the premium feed where we typically put our interviews first. Uh, with that in mind, if you like what we're doing here at Mo News, if you like our Instagram account, if you like the newsletter, if you like the podcast, and you want to see more of it and you want to be able to support us, you can do that by joining Mo News Premium over at mo.news slash premium. Again, mo.news slash premium. You get extra access to a member's Instagram account, extra access to that other podcast. But most importantly, you know you're supporting what we're doing here, uh, supporting our growth, supporting independent journalism. And so we're so grateful for all of you who are joining Mo News Premium. All right, everybody. Have a great weekend. See you on Sunday, Jill. Mo, I'll see you by the dessert table. All right. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Mo News Podcast.